Hey there, this is David Davis, just popping in real quick. We had recorded the episode already, but I wanted to drop a shout-out to the Chucky Vision podcast. Uh, You can find it on Spotify. It's part of the We Made This Podcast Network, hosted by Mark Adams and Dave Elson. It, too, explores the Chucky franchise, including the TV show. I've already started talking with them, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to work together on something. But in the meantime, after you're done listening to Kids' Stuff, a Chucky podcast, please check out Chucky Vision, a Chucky podcast. Uh, And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and dive into the episode, so enjoy. Hello and welcome to Kids' Stuff, a Chucky podcast, a Haunted MTL original podcast. I am your host, David Davis... And I have a special guest this week. It is my wife, Holly Han. So hello, Holly. Hello, Holly. Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a special little Halloween episode. I've wanted to do an episode with my wife. My well, wife. My wife. Um, so it's going to be kind of interesting because we're going to be talking about um, the third episode of the Chucky series. But we are also going to be discussing just Chucky in general because I have become hyper fixated. Yeah, he has. So, um, go ahead and introduce yourself, Holly. What should we know about you? Um, I'm your wife. We've been together for eight years. We met in a graveyard, of all things. <laughs> so, uh, we both have, you know, a, a good horror background, I think, when it comes to being a fan or just enjoying, you know, what the franchises have to offer. We're both creeps. Yeah, we are. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I want to I wanna posit this question to you. Uh, what is your experience with horror, like, prior to meeting me? Because, like, I definitely probably had a bit of an influence on you, but, yeah. <laughs> um, a bit. Uh, so I actually grew up Mormon, and I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of stuff. Uh, my parents kept it from me, so it was a lot of discovering after I was 16 and uh, broke away from the church. So it was... It, a lot of it's within the past 15, 16 years of discovering a lot of things that people have already loved. So prior to 16, there was like nothing then? Uh, some things. Uh, it's all very, how would I say this? It, it all has to be very wholesome. So like the Universal Studios monster movies? Yeah, Hocus Pocus. Okay, yeah. You know. So, you know, Halloween for Disney kids. Pretty much. Okay. And then around 16, things kind of started changing a bit. What what was the first, like, real, like, scary horror thing that you recall watching or playing or reading? Um, actually, the Rocky Horror Picture Show was a huge influence on me. Okay. I know that doesn't necessarily qualify as horror, but it was my bridging point. Okay, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's perfectly fair, too. Like, uh, like that's definitely going to have an impact on you, and I see how it kind of did. <laughs> um, so, um, what was your experience with Chucky prior to meeting me? I'd seen Child's Play. I was aware of Tiffany and Chucky, uh, mainly through pop culture, going to Spencer's and seeing them and whatnot. Um, Chucky creeped me out because, <laughs> you know, it's... Um, it just his actions and, and movements in general, just the physiological aspect of Chucky really creeped me out. So it was something I kind of avoided, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was younger, I wanted a hearse as my first car. <laughs> and my security system idea was to put Chucky and Tiffany in the seats so nobody would mess with the car. And, you know, that's fantastic. I love that. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I think we can probably 
talk a little bit about the episode in a minute. Um, so obviously I've been talking about Chucky a lot in our apartment. Yes. Um, <laughs> how has that been? It's been interesting, but also with the new series, it's been it's been fun because we've rewatched the movies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, there's there's just so much to unpack. I think with the series and as it unfolds in regard to like other horror series, I think it's it's very progressive. It's I don't know. It's it's it, it's interesting. Yeah, it is kind of weirdly progressive in a lot of ways, um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, as we go forward, because we get some of that in this episode, but, um, yeah, like, Chucky has, like, always been a thing that's been in my life, um, you, you've heard the story about the, the My Buddy doll and everything like that. Oh, yeah, how you had to soul transfer your, yourself into your little doll when you were a kid? Yeah, there was an attempt, I'll just say that. There was an attempt. Uh, Um. I'm really glad that didn't happen, though, because I, I, I'm not gonna make love to a little doll. (laughs) Okay, there we go. So, um, yeah, but like, you know, cause I was planning on doing the podcast, so I had to kind of watch the movies all over again. Um, like Child's Play, the original is one of those that I can watch over and over and over. Um, but it's you know, the mom from seventh heaven. <laughs> exactly. That's how I knew her. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm basically marathoning these. I think I did like two of them a day. Yeah. That was for a while. That was an interesting week. And, um, you weren't super interested in sitting down and watching them at first. No, I think because it's a slower pace and that just, it didn't spark my interest. Not to say it's not bad. It's just, I have ADHD. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, so, so what was it that like got you to like sit down and kind of follow through them? I think uh, when I noticed little, little things that they were doing, the adults were doing wrong. I was like, what? What are they doing? What? Um, especially in regards to to little Andy, just how he was mistreated as a child and he didn't receive any, like, psychological care that was meaningful. They locked him in a room. They sent him to boot camp. Like, what? Well, and th- that's the fun part about watching these with you is your outrage, your sheer just outrage at what is going on in any given movie or what's getting or what's happening in the tv show like you get very mad i do i if i see an injustice i'm very much about calling it out and i get upset about it in fact um i i do have a a bit on that later when we discuss the episode (laughs) yeah particularly revolving around the character of lexi oh lexi so um All right, well, thank you, Holly. I think we can kind of dive into the episode. So what I'm going to do here is going to give us uh, a little bit of background about, like, who was the production staff on the episode, who directed it, give us, like, a brief synopsis of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for those of you who are listening to the podcast, remember that you can always check out the reviews on hauntedmtl.com. So this episode, Chucky Season 1, Episode 3, is I Like to Be Hugged, which is one of those iconic kind of uh, Chucky lines when he's the My Buddy doll. And the episode's dealing with the fallout of Lexi's vicious Halloween prank in the second episode. Um, So this is a spoiler-centric podcast, so she ends up doing a Halloween costume that is Jake's father uh, basically electrocuting himself. Um, And it kind of pushes Jake to the edge, so the episode opens up with Chucky kind of giving Jake an education on what it takes to be a killer based on his own experiences. 
It also kind of gives us the deepest dive into the childhood of Charles Lee Ray yet. And it culminates with a very fun uh, house party, a Bluetooth house party. Um, AKA, with, who has that many wireless headphones? These rich kids, apparently. You saw they, they had sushi day at the high school, or the, the middle school, right? Yeah. Okay, point taken. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're dealing with a very rich community. Um, but yeah, so, as far as how the episode, um, or, or who was involved in the episode... Um, the writing credits go to Nick Ziegler and Sarah Acosta, with Kim Garland the, as the staff writer and series creator Don Mancini weighing in. Uh, he's going to be named in every single episode of this podcast, basically. Um, and the director is Dermot Downs. This is his second episode after episode two, which was Give Me Something Good to Eat. So... With that being said, I'd like to talk a little bit about the episode. Now, Holly, you have a list of things. <laughs> I think what's going to be fun is to kind of go through the list and bounce off of those. Fair enough. So I want you to go ahead and hit us with that list. Okay. Um, so I have a list of why I hate Lexi. <laughs> um, just she, she has enraged me this entire series. And props to actress... Olivia Allen Lind, I hope I'm saying that right. Yes. Yeah, you're good. Um, for real, just the fact that she can make me hate this character so much. And I just have like this blind rage towards this child's actions. And as an adult, I shouldn't, obviously, but <laughs> like props to the writers, props to the actress who just who brings out this character in such a I thought originally psychopathic way, but she's more of a narcissist with um Gosh, what antisocial personality disorder. I looked it up. Well, and one thing that I want to, you know, you talk about the sheer rage you find. Like, it's funny to kind of look at the subreddit for Chucky after every episode and how many grown-ass adults are like, this child needs to die. Right? It's hilarious to me. Right? Uh, it's, it's terrifying, too. But, yeah, like, you know, um, Olivia, um, she she does a fantastic job. I think she's the best of the the child actors on the show like i don't think any of them are t particularly weak except for maybe the kid who plays oliver she well she's been given a lot to chew on yeah it, it helps that her character is just so goddamn nasty right um my father used to tell me never start a fight but always finish it and that actually got me suspended from middle school but um <laughs> just i just want to my 13 year old self just wants to deck this kid and it's just Oh my goodness. Okay, moving so, on. So I know that you have this list of reasons why you hate her. Do you want to read some some parts of this list? Yeah, I'll go for it. Okay, <laughs> so... Um, and is I this was, just from the whole series or just this one episode? You know, I was writing for this episode, but obviously this is the fallout of some of her actions in the first two episodes, so it's more of in the series so far, I would say. Uh, she's entitled and spoiled, which are not her faults, to be fair. Um... She's self-important and egotistical, and she's a bully. Uh, what the hell was up with that GoFundMe? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like, that was back in uh, oh the first God. episode. I think I yelled at the TV. That is, like, one of the most novel and vicious forms of bullying. And it, it's interesting because it is an incredibly Gen Z form of bullying. Right? Um, it just Because with Gen Z, their anxiety... For, for someone like, for us millennials, like, a lot of anxiety in horror films comes from, like, the fear of death. But for Gen Z, it seems a lot of their anxiety revolves around social embarrassment. 
Well, considering how many social media platforms there are and yeah. how how important that it's become in a social aspect, it makes a lot of sense. They still have that thing in their heads that says that they should give a fuck what people think about them. And right. I think that turns off in your mid-20s. Yeah. But it, it's definitely like that... You would only see that kind of bullying in Gen Z. Like, you you wouldn't, like, if you were trying to do a Gen X horror film and people were taking up a charity, you know, with a change jar at the high school in, a, like, an 80s film, that it just would be that embarrass- work. It would be embarrassing, but it it doesn't reach everyone, whereas it when it's on your phone, it can reach yeah. everyone. And that, like, you may have people who are outside of the social circle who are then like, oh, this poor kid, and then it's just, like, even more, you know, secondhand embarrassment. Right. But, um, oh, oh, okay, yeah. so I, I like that so far. So what else you got for me? Okay. Um, so along with analyzing why I hated Lexi, <laughs> um, I realized that she's also suffering from parental abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, she's neglected. I mean, yes, she lives in a beautiful home with her mother and father and sister. She has everything she could ever want. But with that said, her mom seems pretty preoccupied with being the mayor. (laughs) And her sister is obviously on the autism spectrum. So she has a lot of responsibility that someone her age probably shouldn't be taking on. Uh, She has little to no consequences with her actions, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe, I, I might be wrong on the term here, but I believe she's also suffering from emotional incest. Usually that's when the parents degenerate and the child takes care of the parent but here we see that her parents aren't necessarily in tune with what caroline needs and that's where lexi takes over yeah we have that moment uh when you know caroline or when caroline's needing to go to bed and lexi sings to her and everything like that um it's it's very like unusually nurturing given the character Mm -hmm. but it kind of shows i think yeah what you're talking about with that uh what was it the emotional incest yes yeah where it's you know she has to be this supervisor figure because every time we've seen the parents um every time we've seen lexi's parents you know they're off at some sort of function um they were at the uh in the second episode they went to the like mayor's halloween party or something like that Mm -hmm. um in this episode they had to go see the theater um, tickets. Yeah, they had the theater tickets. So it's like it, absentee socialite parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the mayor keeps turning, well, at least in the instance of the parent-teacher conference, mm-hmm. the mayor was turning Lexi's issues onto herself, which might be that her mom's also a narcissist too. But, I mean, that just brings it back to all the adults in this town are terrible. But with that said... Um, I don't think necessarily that Lexi is a psychopath, even though that's what I thought at first. <laughs> um, I was actually I was analyzing her traits via Google. <laughs> I am not a licensed psychologist. Um, I believe she's honestly suffering from narcissistic, sociopathic, um, antisocial personality disorder. I think I'm using a little extra words there to combine them, but mm-hmm. um, she's got a pervasive pattern of grandiosity. She believes that she's special or high status. Especially because that's been ingrained by her mom, who is yeah. the mayor. The mayor. The mayor. Uh, she's got arrogant behavior and attitude. She monopolizes conversations. Mm-hmm. She takes advantage of others. She has fragile self-esteem. Like, did, did you just do an office cells of steam? I did. I did. <laughs> that's great. Cells of steam. Cells of steam. Um, but you know, all all of these things, you know, dude, if she lit fires and pissed the bed when she was a kid she might have been a psychopathic killer 
Which, okay, I have I have a question for you. Okay. If Chucky wasn't so preoccupied with trying to kill Lexi, would Lexi be a good candidate for Chucky to teach or even to jump into? You know, that that's interesting. I want to say probably not, given, like, Charles Lee Ray of the past. Um, he, Char, uh, like, Chucky is into the corruption of the innocent, and when you, fra- when you frame Lexi as being this kind of uh, narcissistic sociopath, it, it just seems like it's too easy. Like, Chucky likes a challenge. That's why he's kind of grooming Jake here. Oh, that's fair. Um, that's why he took over Nika in uh, Cult of Chucky. Like, Chucky likes to play around, and I think that, like, with Lexi, there's too much of a shortcut for him. Would you say Chucky enjoys child's play? There you go. There you go. Um, well, and then l- let's talk about, like, one of my favorite, like, oh, okay, so I'll be honest. I think Lexi is one of my favorite characters on the show. Like, yeah. she's in my top three. You like the bad guys. Yeah, like, every every show that has a character that causes the conflict, I'm like, hell yeah. So, Lexi is definitely in my top three characters. Um, let's talk about that apology scene for a moment. Oh my god. That was interesting. That was brutal. So, so you know, part of the, the episode, um, it's Jake, uh, like, he's stalking... Lexi, you know, because he's thinking about killing her because Chucky's been prodding him. Well, yeah, he has that giant knife with him. Yes. Um, you know, and he runs with the knife at one point, which I just, I cringed when I saw him running with that knife. Um, Sir, you're out in the open. Someone yeah, could see yeah, you. And he has the knife pointing upwards. Right. You know, instead of having the knife pointing downwards to the ground, he has it pointing upwards. So, so Jake has a lot to learn. But, um, so he's stalking Lexi, he thinks. But it turns out that um, Lexi had let Junior hold on to her phone uh, to listen to music. And they were also dressed identically, which was really weird and creepy to me. I'm not sure if the baby blue is one of their middle school, like, spirit colors. Yeah. Or she's just so domineering as a personality. It's like, here. Yeah, you know, that it, it could go either way, which is, I, I like that. That it's like, you know, is it just because it's her exerting her personality over Junior? Or is it a school color? We don't know. But, um... And I'm sure there's probably clues if we watch that we would identify it. But so so anyway, like Jake, he he jumps out uh, to confront what, who he thinks is Lexi. It's Junior. Junior calls Jake a freak and like runs off and that sort of thing. Um, but Junior later, when he meets up with Lexi, he tells her, "Hey, you need to, uh, you know, you need to apologize to Jake." Mm-hmm. Especially because you know it wasn't just making fun of Jake's father at the Halloween party, but was also making fun of Junior's uncle. Yeah. And even though he was a, a bad guy, you know, um, Jake's dad, it, it it still hurts Junior. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it would for any normal person. But Lexi doesn't really seem to give a shit until mm-hmm. it affects her relationship with Junior. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lexi then later... Uh, finds Jake in the Wheeler garage. Um, Jake is messing with all of the yard tools, trying to find his killing instrument, basically. Um, and then Lexi approaches him and gives, like, one of the most insincere forced apologies ever committed to film. It is beautiful and it's bullshit. So, just... I just want to shake her. And I know you're not supposed to shake children, but... (laughs) 
it, Damn it. it. It was just one of those things, well, I'm sorry if you took it the wrong way. You know, that, that kind of, like, BS response. So what happens next is, like, as far as the audaciousness of her request, she asked Jake if her little sister can have Chucky. Because Caroline has become fixated mm-hmm. on the Chucky doll. Yeah, that was that was a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> it, it was, like, and just, you know, and then Jake's obviously like, no, no, not at all, until, like, he realized it. Um, and, and that was one of the things, uh, when I did my review, I, I always try to do these little sections called uh, Seeds of Chucky, where I point out references to the other films, and one I forgot to include was then when Chucky is talking to Jake later, he mentions Jake having completion anxiety. <laughs> that was a reference to Curse of Chucky, because Nika accused um, Chucky of having completion anxiety. So that's one of those nice little narrative threads that follows through. So Jake and Chucky end up forming this plan to take Chucky to uh, Lexi's house. While we're in the garage, though, I do love that little sidebar she does about the wax museum. Mm-hmm. Um, it, essentially insulting Jake's art craft as well, but also like comparing him to someone who just does menial labor, mm-hmm. which I mean, if if you're a landscaper for a living, like you're a hardworking person. I am not, you know, downing that at all, but she's just like trying to insult him through this. But also she notices the wall of tools and mm-hmm. she's like, well, the rocks museum was really boring except for the wall of tools. And it was like serial killers. Yeah. I, I, their their weapons and whatnot and i just thought that was really interesting that was the one thing in the museum that interested her was the wall of killing mechanisms you know and maybe they're going to like give us a lexi who sides with chucky like maybe she is going to be interested maybe chucky sees her as a potentially better protege like the 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 previews for future episodes are kind of ambiguous on that at one point the kids are teaming up against chucky which was your main argument as to why she's going to get a redemption arc. Yeah, like, I, I see... And there's all... And that's the thing about um, um, Olivia's um, acting, is that she gives Lexi these moments of vulnerability where you see that these actions are her dealing with some sort of trauma. So, you know, um, I, I think there is going to be a redemption arc for her. Um, and then I'm... I'm I'm looking forward to that, basically, because I think there's a lot of potential there. I am, too, uh, especially as we explore her relationship with Caroline. Yeah, and I, I think, like, if you were trying to sell people on Lexi as being a, a conflicted, traumatized girl, it's those moments with Caroline that really help sell that. Oh, definitely. Uh, her Her eyes soften. Her voice mellows. She's not as harsh. Uh, let's talk about that weirdly specific song choice to, to sing to Carolyn. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, which it seems to me like that, having known some kids who are autistic and who have those kind of hyper fixations, um, like this little girl being into Blue Easter Colt's uh, Don't Fear the Reaper doesn't seem all that far-fetched because these kids can latch on to things that you're, you'd be surprised about. Oh, definitely. I mean, 
I remember a time when my father was introducing me to music, handed me a giant set of headphones, <laughs> and um, Blue Aster Cult was one of the artists, and was like, here, enjoy, and don't fear the Reaper, it's a banger. Yeah. G- gave you that rusty venture education from the Venture Brothers. <laughs> it, he, he, sets de- uh, he sets Dean down in the beanbag chair with the headphones, and he's playing all the Rush albums. That that <laughs> actually literally happened to but, me. Yeah, that's literally how it went. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I... I, I We've, we've talked a lot about Lexi so far, but the fact that we are means that there's so much to the character. Again, props to Olivia. I'm not trying to dox this character, but <laughs> damn. Like, she's just, she's chewing up the set. I love it. Yeah. So well, let's talk about Jake, because Jake is definitely also in my, my top three. Like, if I have to rank the characters, it's Chucky, Jake, and um, Lexi. But let, let's talk about Jake's journey in this episode. How'd you feel about it? Uh, he's a little all over the place because he's he's being mentored by a murderous villain. <laughs> he's trying to access his rage, but he also obviously needs some therapy. And those rich aunt and uncle, they need to get him into therapy, y'all. I... It's, it's frustrating. <laughs> well, and, and you see that in the series with these kids is that, like, every time the kid is separated from their parents... They get put in a situation with people who are, like, on the surface, they're, like, nice, wonderful people. It's, like, an elevated setting for the for the kid. But these people are just not equipped to deal with a traumatized child. Like, in Child's Play 2, um, Andy goes from what is very much a very struggling working-class household with his mom to then living in this foster home that's pretty freaking nice. But as much as these, these temporary caretakers can provide... They're not providing what's most important. Yeah, and you know they always say hindsight's twenty twenty. It's mm-hmm. like, well, why didn't you get him a trauma therapist? Probably because trauma therapists were few and far in between, if they even existed back then. But even even in like the current setting, so I think I think Chucky takes place. Um, I originally thought it took place a couple years later, but I think it actually takes place maybe a couple of months, which would put it about two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think 2017. So, you know, we've, in the past, like, 20 years, mental health has become this conversation that's been uh, more public and everything like that. But mm-hmm. y- you get the sense that, like, for example, with Logan, um, you know, Junior's father, uh, Jake's uncle, he, he's kind of old school about things, I think. He is. Um, he praises his son a lot. Even though his wife points out, like, hey, maybe that's not the best thing for him. He's craving your acceptance, Mm -hmm. but just because you give it to him doesn't mean it's going to solve his problems. Right. And then, you know, uh, there's this very pointed scene in uh, the uh, second episode. I know we keep talking about previous episodes, but it's kind of like it makes that through line to the current events where, um, you know, Jake's in the heated seat. That's a whole new world for him. And then um, when he goes and gets out of the car to attend classes, you know, Logan hands him, I think, like a tenner for, for you know, ten bucks for... Oh, I thought it was a 20. It, it might have been a 20, given the the food, the, the food at the school, probably a 20. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, Bree, um, uh, Jake's aunt, she says, like, it's going to take more than that. Yeah. So, you know, at least at least Bree seems a little more aware of what needs to be done. She seems to be more pragmatic about it. Mm-hmm. But she's not really like doing anything about it either. That's true. 
She also seems to be preoccupied with whatever um, she's having a little smooch smooch with on the side. At least that's my theory. Yeah, see, every, everybody's assuming that um, she's in a relationship on the side. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I, I, you know, probably that's the case, but I'd be, I would love to know if it's something like really far out there, but we don't know. But um, she's just taking pottery classes on the side, right? Um, but you know the, the the whole thing, the whole reason we bring this up to talk about Jake is like Jake has this incredibly traumatic journey, and he has no support network. He literally only has Chucky, and Chucky is doing the exact same things that an abusive parent does. Like in the second episode, we hear him hit Jake off screen. Jake's walking around with that black eye, so Jake is not getting into a situation that's any better. Even though, like, the world around him is a little more rich, has a little more resources, he's still in this very low space without a real figure to connect with him. And, I mean, there is there is Miss Fairchild, who's... who I think she sees the signs. Mm-hmm. And she's really trying to help as much as a teacher can without, you know, crossing the line to get herself fired. Mm-hmm. But I, I love Miss Fairchild, um... I, I wish I had a teacher like that. You now, know? what what I loved about that uh, Guardian conference, because obviously uh, Logan and Bree aren't Jake's parents, um, when Miss Fairchild whips out the phone with the video. Oh my gosh, what a power move. Yeah, the, the catharsis of like, because I, I think like anyone who listens to this was probably like a weird kid in high school to a degree. That's fair. I listen yeah. to it. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, thank God. So, um, <laughs> but no, like we we've all had those moments where it's like you know if we had got something on video, if we had had a way to like prove that we were being bullied, because you know with a lot of school administration, it kind of gets like swept under the rug, or like a kid will be kicked out for a couple of days and come back, and mm-hmm. they don't learn anything unless there's concrete proof. There's not a lot that can be done, and this is it's such a vindicating moment for Jake's team. And Miss Fairchild is definitely on Jake's team. Yeah. Now, you and I have talked about that tinfoil hat theory about Miss Fairchild. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, so go ahead and explain that. Okay. So I personally think that the actress they cast to play Miss Fairchild looks like Nika. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the hair, the facial structure, and whatnot. Um, but David believes that it might, in fact, be Glenda. It could be Glenda or, you know, and I'm, I'm going to take this a step further. Uh, it might be Glenn having transitioned because... Oh, that's fair. They were two distinct personalities within... Right. And then the, you get the two kids. Yeah. Um, and Glenn, the little boy, was always the nicer of the two mm-hmm. based on what we see. Uh, speaking of which, Miss Fairchild is Annie Briggs. So I just want to mention her name because she does a great job. She really does. Also, I love that she is credited as Miss Fairchild. We do not know a first name, so that could be a major clue right there. Yeah, and I think that name Fairchild is almost prof- prophetic because if it's Glenn, maybe, uh, or formerly Glenn having transitioned. Um, Glenn take, was a fair child. Yeah, and, and you know, as the fair child. So, you know, that that's one thing I'm wondering about. Because I don't know if it's Glenda, because we see Glenda has that sociopathic tendency in Seed of Chucky. But I don't know how well she would, like, switch off. Like, we don't know. It's been close to 20 years mm-hmm. since. But, like, uh, Miss Fairchild seems the right age. She seems young enough to be one of uh, Charles and Tiffany's 
kids. And to be a teacher in the town where your father is buried, well, your father's body is buried. Yeah. It, that just seems appropriate. Yeah. So, you know, and the, this, again, this is like tin tinfoil hat, right? This oh, yeah. Is, this <laughs> is like the insane theory that you do, like, you know, what's going on in Lost? Why is there a polar bear? And then you have these theories. Oh, it's a time portal or something like that. Um, you know, we're, we're going to indulge that because we can do that. It's fun. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in see how Miss Fairchild connects to it. And I think she knows more than she's let on so far. It's completely possible. Same situation. Let, let's talk about, um... Ooh, Detective Evans? Yeah, Detective Evans. Uh, specifically, uh, her relationship with her son, Devin. Devin Evans. Devin Evans. <laughs> that was a choice. Yes. Um, so first of all, I want to mention that Devin's room is absolutely fantastic. Oh my god. And he has a much better podcasting setup than I do, which is also... <laughs> Just, it makes me envious. <laughs> it, it makes me envious, but it's also... It's a reminder of the world that these kids live in. Like, yeah. they are... My gosh, thousand dollar podcasting equipment just in his room. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, good for them. <laughs> and if, if we want to talk about hyperfixation, it's interesting that both uh, Detective Evans and Devin are fixated on Jake for you, you think for like different reasons, but it might be the same reason because I'm I'm pretty sure that Devin is. He suspects either Jake is involved with more than he's letting on, or he might know about the doll. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that he knows about the doll. Um, I love his, uh, gosh, the the tin hat board on his Oh, yes, on uh, his wall. all the Zodiac stuff. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of uh, Pepe Silvia from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> there is no Pepe Silvia. There is no Pepe Silvia. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, like Devin... Devin's interesting because, like, okay, um, he he's an adorable actor, you know. Oh yeah. And then, like, you know, if if I were a shipper, I'd be like, oh yeah, Devin and Jake forever. But like, I have trust issues, and something about Devin and the way he's approaching because he's also there's this very awkward moment um, in the I, maybe it was this episode, I'm not sure, but there's this awkward moment where Devin approaches Jake and he puts his hand. On Jake's shoulder. Yeah, this and, episode. And he's secretly recording him during this interaction. Yeah. Like, hey, are you okay? Um, that was really messed up of Lexi to do. So he's filming, or he's recording Jake. Mm -hmm. So he's obviously putting something together podcast-wise. Yeah, and then just the fact that, like, okay, so this Jake is a kid who needs touch. This is a kid who needs to be embraced, who needs, like human contact like we all need that but jake in particular absolutely needs that because the only human contact he's had is pain that's true so for for devin to kind of use that touch for for uh, such a strange and kind of unsettling reason is also kind of a form of psychological violence that i think they're gonna set up something where evan or i'm sorry devin causes Jake to flip his flip flip the switch you know what I mean yeah like that's the ultimate that would be the ultimate betrayal for Jake oh yeah especially because these these two were locked in the closet together in the previous episode mm -hmm. for seven minutes in hell which hell. I loved and not not hell because it's two dudes but hell because it's Halloween and everything's yeah. spooky no because well, what happened there that was straight up bullying oh it was <laughs> yes. but also 
also, I want to comment on um, the acceptance of throwing two dudes in a in a closet for makeout. No, like, no, see, you say that's acceptance. I don't buy that. I think it was another form of bullying. It's like let's put the two gay kids together. Oh, fair enough. It's it, it, it's tricky because you you we're in a society now, and you know Chucky is showing the society where people are more accepting of these things, and the people who aren't stand out. Mm-hmm. But if everybody claims to be accepting, then you don't really stand out either. So nobody's kind of, like, focusing on you. Fair enough. So, um, but no, like, uh, I, I do like the Halloween twist on, um, you know, Seven Minutes in Heaven being Seven Minutes in Hell. But, like, let's do Seven Minutes of Hell with consent, please. That That's a fair point. <laughs> okay. But no, no, I, um, I, I don't know. Because as much as I like Devin... I still don't know a ton about him. Like I know, I don't that he, trust him. Yeah, he has his podcast. It's cute. Um, he seems like a nice enough kid, but like especially with this moment with him with the phone. It. I mean, if we learned anything from Only Murders in the Building, you need consent <laughs> to record. Mm-hmm. And he did not inform Jake he was recording and did not get Jake's consent. So I don't know how ethical. Devin is being oh absolutely like I I would be willing to bet like 20 bucks that that is not at all like you can't legally oh no and I I have a feeling his mom's gonna be like hey hey kid you you can't do that (laughs) although one thing that was funny about that whole sequence is like if he was listening to the edit on his headphones but his mom heard it I don't know he has a fancy setup. You don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know because, like, you know, the, the implication is that he's, like, editing and he has the headphones on. And she hears it but, and but comes she, in. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure what's going on there exactly. But, no, uh, there, there's little goose like that occasionally. We'll, we'll talk about, like, the biggest one uh, in a bit. But, um, all right, so we talked about the kids. We've talked about the adults. So what was your favorite moment of the episode, Holly? Hmm... R.I.P. Oliver, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, no, no, there's no, there's no reason to do <laughs> no, that. Here. No. We're, we're the spoiler version. Oh yeah. Um, just getting hacked in these tiny little cuts because you see the doll just go uh-huh. into him, and obviously you know the actors there, so you can't actually mm-hmm. stab. But just like these little two inch stabs. Oh yeah. Into no, Oliver's I, back, just well, as as his friends are partying with these ridiculous bluetooth headphones right so yeah oliver's death is like incredibly darkly funny because you know it's chucky at this party he's stalking trying to get lexi oliver makes the mistake of coming out the wrong door at the wrong time uh chucky like stabs him and he's just sitting on the back of oliver who is screaming and nobody can hear oliver because they're all wearing these headphones which are ridiculous. Yeah, the, we'll talk about the Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> but, but no, it's just it's it's that like goofy brutality of Chucky where he's just sitting on this kid's back and just stabbing over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I, you know, it's it's fucked up to say, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I also loved Lexi in her room alone with the joint. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, dude, what thirteen year old has that much access to weed? And then. Then I remember, oh, right, dispensaries exist now, not yeah, and, like and, when I was And 13. these are also, like, the rich kids. So there's probably, like, the middle schooler who is, like, the the brother of, like, the town dealer or something right. like and that. And they're also drinking liquor, not not beer, not not Natty Light. Just... The, the kids are partying pretty young. Like, I was looking at that Halloween party, and I'm like, I haven't been... I never went to a party like that until I was, like, in my 20s. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know... 
I'm sure people are going to have issues with, like, the sexuality of these middle schoolers, you know, like, them actively, like, making out, them drinking, smoking, doing all that. But if they're not but, receiving the love at home that they normally would, they're going to sexually act out. Well, and then also that's, like, a reality, though. Mm-hmm. You know, because, uh, you know, middle schoolers do all that now. Especially now that they have access to that information, you know, like porn is very easily accessible yeah so, so they know what they're doing instead of like fumbling around with well, a person well, for apparently 20 minutes. apparently junior doesn't know what he's doing because <laughs> lexi kept telling him so um that was in I, the uh, second episode you know i feel like lexi doesn't know her own body enough to tell him what to do yeah so it, it's kind of weird like at least for for my generation or, or people like me like when you see mm-hmm. the kids like partying and making out it's like they're, they're middle schoolers, but then also you're like, but, you know, the middle schoolers are doing that. So well, they also probably have a bit more emotional maturity nowadays. Um, are they well, more emotionally mature now? Okay, fair point. Ha- have think, you seen TikTok? <laughs> well, maybe they, they just have more access to the world now than we would have at that age. And I think that, mm. you know, definitely it... It helps with their perception of the world and how that they want to be viewed or viewed. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how they want to present themselves to the world, and you know that's it. It's just it's all they've they've grown up so fast, David. Yeah, and they grew up so fast. So you know, I I'm sure there are going to be people who take issue with this, but like honestly, those kids are acting the way kids act. You know, I. It, it it's it's to to borrow a term from Gen Z for for people like me to watch this it's cringe <laughs> B- because I'm looking at this I'm like oh little sweet oh summer God. children what are you doing right what are you doing you're too young for this but there's also that you know when you get older you can't tell how old children are I guess like I could never tell when I was a child I could never tell an adult how old they were because I just had no gauge of that mm. so now when I see like younger people I'm like are you 12 <laughs> yeah yeah so it's so l- l- let's talk about that bluetooth headphone party please oh my Pe- god so so um Lexi is keeping an eye on Carolyn for the night you know Carolyn now has Chucky she's absolutely in love with Chucky she loves that little doll um but Carolyn uh, needs to go to bed, but at the same time, Lexi is going to be throwing a party in the mayor's house. Mm-hmm. And now this party is quite literally a Bluetooth, uh, Bluetooth headphone party. So Lexi has her phone. Everybody connects her their Bluetooth headphones to that phone, and they're listening to her party mix or whatever. Okay, point of interest there. You say everybody tunes their Bluetooth headset to it. Sir, they're all the same brand, all the same color. I have this weird theory that the mayor's house just has 20 of these (laughs) headsets just lying around somewhere. Is it for like a historical tour when the public comes in? But like... That's interesting. They're all the same brand. There's no personality for each person. So I'm like, these are not their personal headphones these are from the house okay well i mean that that's entirely possible might be part of like a guided tour or something like that i don't know it just maybe they stole them from the school who knows that's my tinfoil hat theory is that (laughs) there's no way the the mayor is embezzling funds through like purchasing headphones at a very cheap rate and then reselling them hey that kind of sounds like what's going on in our county right now with our current sheriff and his podcasting equipment whoa 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 don't get us arrested okay so (laughs) so um so, so literally you have this party where it's all these teens dancing and drinking, 
but in complete silence aside from the scuffing of their feet because all the music is in their headphones. Mm -hmm. And it seems very, very weird at first until you consider that it cuts down on the potential of a noise complaint and also mm -hmm. doesn't disturb a child sleeping upstairs. Right. It's you. It, it's pretty ingenious. It's like I, I was actually pretty impressed by that. I think when we were watching, I'm like, wow, that's actually really smart. While I was over here yelling at the TV. Yes. What even is this? But as we've seen with the show before, uh, you, you set something up, there has to be a payoff. So you've got all these tweens dancing with their headphones, oblivious to what's going on. Lexi goes up to smoke a joint after um, making Junior jealous with Oliver. So Lexi's in her room and she, see, uh, she encounters Chucky. And I love watching Chucky attack Lexi, especially when he jumps on her back and does his little stubby kicks. <laughs> like, that, that's always been a highlight. And that's, like, straight out of um, Child's Play 2 when uh, Chucky jumps on Kyle. You know, just seeing this little tiny doll trying to choke her out with his little legs kicking and doing, doing that kind of Brad Dourif incomprehensible gibberish scream like... Ah, yeah, ah, ah sort of thing um it, it's a wonderful wonderful scene but it uh that also causes an even bigger problem because it was the joint right yeah the joint hits the curtain a rush of wind comes in and it lights the bedroom on fire which then lights the entire house on fire and we get this absolutely ridiculous scene of these kids dancing downstairs with their headphones on as the second story is burning I have so many problems with this. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the lack of situational awareness. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, lack of situation. <laughs> Pardon me. Yeah, I'm just, I'm laughing through it. Um, lack of situational awareness on the kids part, because I'm sorry, if you're, or do they all suffer from anosmia? Like, <laughs> like can you not smell the smoke? <laughs> that's, that's one thing that we don't talk about with uh, generation Z is their complete lack of sense of smell. <laughs> it's just uh it's it's very sad really they'll never know the joys of a nice uh carbonara okay boomer <laughs> i just yeah it, that was a that was a little silly to me just because i mean it and, and it's the high stylization where they're dancing yeah. in slow motion with like the dramatic angles you see like the heads like turning there's flames up above right. and you get that wonderful shot of chucky in the bedroom just laughing maniacally as right. the place is burning down around him um, it, it sparks joy. But also, as a stoner, I can tell you, my joints have never been that dangerous. Like, I get a gust of wind came in, and it was right by the sheer curtains. But if anyone who's ever dropped a joint can tell you, things don't catch on fire that fast. That is true. I know. They had to push along the storyline. Yeah. I get it. But well, still, it was it was a little silly. Well, and then, I guess that was ultimately my kind of issue, because with, with things like this, there's that suspension of disbelief. You know, things that don't make sense, but you buy it anyway. Oh, yeah, because um, you have to you have to continue the story. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, within the logic of the world, I get it. But it was just the fact that these kids aren't noticing the extreme heat, the smoke, and the smell of burning wood... Um, Possibly burning Lexi. Like, no, and you, yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like apparently if definitely you can't, burning Oliver. Yeah, yeah, Oliver is firewood now, but um, but no, it's just like you know, apparently you cannot be hurt by a fire if you don't hear it. <laughs> that's what I'm taking. That's what I'm taking. Yeah, it's 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 goofy, 
And, like, I think it was a, a, a misstep in a lot of ways. But also it was, like, the first moments of the fire experiencing oxygen. And when that happens, you know, yeah. what do they call it, a backdraft? Mm-hmm. It just booms through like a bomb. Yeah. So it also could have been, like, the first three seconds of it happening. Yeah, because stylized cause it. More than, more than likely the next episode's going to immediately open up with the kids going, oh, fuck, the house is on fire. We did see uh, a, a preview for the next episode where they're in an ICU room. Yeah, and then we also get kind of a glimpse of, like, the burned-out mayor's house and everything like that. Um, So, while this is all going on, we also have Jake at the graveyard, which I found, like, really, really interesting. Um, For a couple of reasons. Number one, him kind of, like, trying to come to terms with this trauma, and it's it's deeply sad. It is. Um, Like, like, dude, I was emo. I was a goth kid. What do you mean, was? (laughs) But, like, I'm not going to go to a graveyard to just... Well, I mean, that's that is how I met you. Yeah, let's let's not talk about that on the podcast. Okay, um, <laughs> but you know, it's just to feel so incredibly alone and sad and just separated from everyone that you go to a graveyard just to hang out with, just to be close to your parents. Like that's so. This kid needs therapy, and David. It's only been like what, maybe a week and a half, maybe yeah. two weeks. So. Um, like, the, the, the wounds are still there, but um, another reason why I really like the graveyard scene is um, they, they show the grave of Charles Lee Ray. Oh, yeah. And the, the date on the grave, I, I have it written down here. Let me pull that up. Um, it, it's the date of the release of the original Child's Play movie. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, so it was um, November 9th, 1988. Oh, that's great. So that, that was a fun little nod. But, um, no, I, I think the graveyard scene is interesting, but it also places Jake away from the scene of what is obviously going to be a crime that Detective Evans is going to investigate. Right. And Jake has his phone with him, so, I mean, that does put location data, I mean, it's on Jake's side. So she's not going to be able to pin this on him. But I I feel like that suspicion is still going to be there because there's going to be talk about, like, well, Chucky was there. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's in Detective Evans' head right now, but, like, already there should be some questions about, like, what is the significance of the doll in all of this? Right. Because, I mean, the people who grew up in Hackensack have to... Did I say it right? Yeah, Hackensack. Hackensack, okay. Um, That's a great name. It is. It also makes me think of Hacky Sack. (laughs) Which I'm sure they appreciate. (laughs) But, you know, it, it makes me think about the adults in this town who are so oblivious to, like, the children around them and the traumas they're going through... But what did those adults experience as kids growing up in this town, if, mm-hmm. if any of them did? Did um, Detective Evans grow up in this town and knows about the rumors and the the mythos yeah. regarding Charles Lee Ray? And is she putting it together? But we haven't seen her backstory yet to well, figure that out. You know, and that's the other thing. I think the reason Devin is coming off as kind of mysterious is because he knows about Charles Lee Ray. Because you and I know about Henry Lee Lucas living in Hemet for like a month. Dude, right? Yeah, we, we live in the town of Hemet. We're not giving yeah, you our address. So we, but. <laughs> we live in the town where they have the Scientology gold base. Um, which is so creepy. And then um, Henry Lee Lucas, we were listening to Shout Out Last Podcast on the left. Yep. And Marcus mentioned that him and his child bride were living in Hemet, California. Not Marcus's child bride. Henry Lee Lucas's I'm par- child Sorry, bride. pardon me. Marcus was explaining. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's just it, like our, our little bumfuck yeah. town. Yeah, like if there's a tangential relationship, uh, like, a, like a tangential link to a serial killer, you would think that... 
the podcast, the notable podcast in the show's universe, mm -hmm. would mention Charles Lee Ray, but it hasn't. And, you know, Charles Lee Ray has got to be like a Michael Myers figure to Hackensack, and I don't think we've approached that yet, because narratively, they're waiting to do that with Devin. But, like, the adults have to know about Charles Lee Ray at this point, because he's a huge serial killer. Yeah. In, and in the universe. Any true crime nut would be like, oh, yeah, I have this one thing in my town. Yeah, so that's the other reason why I'm a little, like, not sure what's going on with Devin, because you'd think he would have mentioned Charles Lee Ray uh, in the podcast at some point, because that's, like, the biggest fucking news in you Hackensack. Know, did we look on his little murder board and see if, if Charles Lee Ray was on there? That That's the question. It's one of those things where, you know, we might be rewarded for pausing and checking it out, and I think I'd like to do that. Yeah. But, you know, you just there's something about, like... And then not, not only that, but let's talk about Charles Lee Ray himself, because we get a lot of background oh on him. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, again, the, he's not the only serial murderer that's been in Hackensack, because we find out what happened to Charles's parents. And it's one of the most shocking things that I've seen in Child's Play, like the franchise. For real. That was... It, it took me a moment to process what was going on, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, shit. So, you know, we have a young Charles in, like, 1965. That would put Chucky right now at, like, 65, maybe 70 years old. I don't know math. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, at, at this point, like, Chucky is technically a senior citizen. But um, we, we get this flashback to a young Charles. <laughs> Chucky's a boomer. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, Chucky is most definitely a boomer, especially with some of his commentary about the kids and everything like that. Oh, yeah. You know, gender fluid. <laughs> but um, I'm not a monster. I'm not a monster. Yeah, I, I have some issues with that. So, um, but yeah, so little, little Charles Lee Ray, he hears, like, screaming downstairs. Um, and he goes downstairs and he sees his father being stabbed to death by a home invader. That was creepy. And it's not that like he doesn't call he doesn't call for help. He just kind of stands there, which you you attribute to like shock most time mm -hmm. most of the time, right? Also, um, just I want to say the architecture of the 1960s home was pretty cool. Mainly the stairs. Um, mm -hmm. It reminds me of the Brady Bunch stairs, but mm -hmm. I also am super afraid of those stairs because somebody could just slice your ankles just <laughs> from the back. <laughs> You've watched too many scary movies. Before. I have. So, um, so, you know, little Charles is just there watching his dad get stabbed over and over and over. And the stabbing was a lot like what Chucky later did to Oliver. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. So eventually Charles's mom comes down, sees what's going on and kind of pries Charles from the stairs and takes him up to the bedroom. And they both hide in a closet like in Halloween. With those creepy slats yeah. on the on the closet door. So, you know, you've got Charles, you know, um, his mother is covering his mouth. At one point, he kind of, like, forces his mouth away from her hand, like, I can't breathe, that sort of thing. And we get the sense that she's trying to, like, save her kid's life, you know, as any mother would do. Mm -hmm. Now, eventually, the home intruder enters, and when he opens the closet door, he sees that Charles's mom is dead, and then Charles, who had grabbed a pocket knife on the escape... Uh, is covered in blood. Yeah. So Charles had killed his own mother. Yeah. That was... That... Oh, man. That, that was hard. So, you know, it, like, number one, like, any thought about, like, Chucky being an ally? Because that's the big thing on Twitter right now, is mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of people posting Chucky with, like, the trans flag, right? And, yeah. You know, that very cute, like, <clears throat> I'm not a monster. Yeah. But... 
when you think about what's going on in the show and what's happened in the series so far, you have Chucky who's very mani- very deliberately manipulating and gaslighting Jake because yeah. he wants something from Jake. Mm-hmm. So having read Jake's diary, he sees that Jake's gay identity is a problem spot for himself. Mm-hmm. And he says the right thing. Okay. The other thing is, like, he talks about his kid being gender fluid and, like, I'm not a monster. But when you watch Seed of Chucky, you don't get the sense that Chucky is anything more than ambivalent about Glenn slash Glenda. Um, like, at most, at, he mostly just gets fed up with the whole situation. And he's like, no, I don't want to leave my doll form. But, yeah, he, he seems like, he doesn't seem readily accepting. Well... It kind of reminds me of, um, gosh, there were a few drag race queens who were talking about the way that LGBTQ plus characters um, have been a lot of villains and just very like, you know, not the obvious good guy on the hero's journey, mm-hmm. but they said, you know, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing just so much here, but it's, we don't always have to be the good guy, you mm-hmm. know? To be represented and to be to be in the world, you have to take, you know, different parts. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if we're talking about representation, you need the good representation, of course. Oh, yeah. But you also need the bad representation as well. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, just because, just because you're gay doesn't mean you can't be a terrible person or a good person right. or um, someone who, you know, who's ambivalent to everything. Like... You know, that's just a portion of your identity. But we're just getting to a point where that portion has become more accepting and a more loving world. Right. And so, like, if Chucky is an ally, like, I'm all for it. I'm glad that murderous doll is an ally. He's still a narcissist. Yeah, he's still a terrible person. (laughs) But, you know, it's because he's a terrible person, I just do not trust it. Oh, no, not at all. So, um, I, I think we're going to get ready to wrap up here a little bit. We've had, like, a very nice discussion so far. Good job, Holly Han. You oh, did it. Oh, shucks. <laughs> um, I do what I can. One thing I want to talk about, though, is, like, I there's a lot of, like, film references and stylistic flourishes in the show. Mm-hmm. One thing that I remember when we were watching it, I, I remarked on, like, the colors of the show. Like, particularly, oh, yeah. like, like, Lexi's blue dress. Mm-hmm. And then, for example, her room, which is, like, a very deep red. Yeah. Um, um, like, it, it reminded me a lot of, like, Giallo films, like uh, Dario Argento's, yeah. like, like Suspiria and that sort of thing, where color is very key. And I think a lot of the color is going to be symbolic as well. Because I think Jake's walls and his his uh, temporary bedroom with the wheelers, they're gray. They are gray. So that's a morally um, questionable color. Like, you can't really get any insight from the color gray. That's fair. Also, um, just, like, on on a emotional like check-in point like he's not feeling anything Mm -hmm. you know and there there is that splash of color in the room with the pride flag i'm wondering if the pride flag was from um his old room it was it it was in his old room yeah he had a couple pride things up in his room okay yeah because i wasn't sure because i figured that would be something like what um what the the, his his dad would have torn down at some point um that that's why i was really surprised about jake's dad yeah and then that's the thing like you I, I can't totally demonize Jake's father. Like, what he did was sh- was shitty. It was abuse, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, again, they've, they've mentioned so many times that there was something good in him at one point and after the death of his wife. 
and the th- and the, that's the most horrible thing Chucky's done so far is he denied Jake a chance to fix that relationship, which is one yeah. of those things that's really fucked up about this. Yeah, that is. I mean, you were you had mentioned even in what was it the first episode? Mm-hmm. Hey, at least he's not hitting his kid, and then you know, two yeah, seconds and, then, later. and then the minute, um, yeah, um, yeah, Logan hit, um, hits. It, when they introduced Jake's father as being not necessarily accepting, but in his own way, he was trying to process it also, you know, along with grieving. Um, it, there seemed like there was going to be a redemption for that relationship. And yeah, Chucky just stole it from him. Yeah. Cause you feel like had things been better, like had maybe like his dad gotten some steady work and everything like that. Cause a lot of the anxiety, also, and, and that's one thing that I've noticed is a through line in the series is that also there's like a element of like capitalist anxiety. Oh, definitely. Because you know, in the first movie, um, Karen Barkley, single mother, living in a very nice apartment, admittedly, but she's obviously she doesn't have a whole lot of money. She has she to buy also, the doll. Oh, right, she yeah. bought the doll in from, an alleyway. From, yeah, from a uh, from a homeless man. So, um, and then you know, it's always just kind of yeah, unhoused. There unhoused. we go. Yes. Um, but there's always this, um, like, little undercurrent of, like, capitalism in there. And it has a very strong effect. And, like, we see that with uh, Jake and his father. Yeah. Um, you know, his mom probably brought income into the home as well. And mm-hmm. as most families do now, you have to have dual income. So uh, along with his dad being a mechanic, and he is a very prideful person, obviously, because he won't take money from his own brother. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he regards that as an insult when his brother is just trying to, you know, show love in the way that he can. Well, and also, like, we are starting to see that there's some there's some shit going on with the brother as well. Oh, definitely. The, the, the whole the whole thing with the Halloween party with like, oh, are those my medals? And kind of needling Junior about his yeah. training. Like, it's that parent kind of living uh, vicariously through their child. Which is definitely another form of abuse. Yeah, it is definitely abuse. So, um, oh, and our cat just chimed in. I think Zelda's telling us we need to wrap up. So, um, overall, how did you feel about the episode? I really liked it. Um, there were uh, there were fun moments. There were moments that made you made you think um, about people's motivations, obviously, and you know where where they're going. And we're only three episodes in, so it's it it's really there are so many paths that this yeah. can go. And I love tinfoil hatting with you because it's <laughs> just um, right now we have a lot of pathways that this can go until it narrows down. Um, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. I, I really think that we're uh, in for a treat and we're only about halfway through this first season. Like I, I, I am like 99% sure they're going to get a season two because every time it, it releases a new episode, it trends. Uh, Chucky keeps showing up on the WWE shows. It broke our sci-fi app yesterday. <laughs> I was trying to rewatch the episode and it was skipping over key moments of dialogue. And then, yeah, we were able to kind of fix that up for you. But um, So is this like a show that you want to continue following? I do. Um, I, I want to see what happens, especially with Lexi. Again, shout out to the actress Olivia. Um, just because she made me hate her so much <laughs> in the first two episodes. I'm like, is she going to die? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see what happens with Jake. Um, is he going to go to therapy? 
That is mine. My... You know, and, and here I mean, the... will he murder someone? But is he going to get? Some well, therapy? and here's the big problem: is like in that kind of classic cartoon setup, you have the person who's got the devil on his shoulder, the devil being Chucky here. Mm-hmm. But we need the angel on Jake's shoulder, and Jake just does not have that yet. And I'm thinking that Andy, when Andy shows Ooh. up, Andy's going to be that for him. And Andy's credited on. Um, um, oh, Alex Vincent is credited on four episodes. I'm excited. So I feel like if he's going to show up, it's going to be in the next episode. I hope so. But we'll see. Um, I did want to um, leave with a note. Uh-huh. Um, we did talk a lot about uh, parental abuse and, you know, different kind of personality disorders that can be harmful to the person who is ex- um, exhibiting them or to the people around them. So I just wanted to let you all know that um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. That's here in the United States where we are. I know this is um, Haunted MTL, but that's where that's where we are in the United States. So, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to your local um, domestic violence center and see, you know, if, if you need help or if someone around you needs help, like, please speak up please be an advocate so so before we close up i just want to ask do you consider yourself a member of the cult of chucky yes very good okay i, I think like everyone so far has i was been. kind of forced into it at first but i'm i'm here well, for it isn't that how most cults work you know fair i was a mormon there you go <laughs> so uh from one cult to another there we go uh, with that being said, we are going to close out. Holly, thank you so much. We'll of figure course. out what we're going to do for dinner. Um, my cat is also saying goodbye. Yeah, sorry, everybody. Um, you're all probably really familiar with Zelda by this point. We just can't get her to shut up. <laughs> you know, but that's okay. She has a lot to say. She really does. So, uh, again, thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. I don't know who our guest is, but I always find someone interesting to talk to. So. Oh, shit. Thank you so much for having me, you guys, and um, I appreciate all of you. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Take it sleazy. You have been listening to Kids' Stuff, a Chucky podcast, a Haunted MTL original podcast. Our theme is Pop Goes the Weasel by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of Kevin McLeod's music at incompetech.filmmusic.io. If you want to find out more about me, the podcaster, you can just go to hpkomics.com, hpcomics.com, or you can find me on the socials at hpkomic. For more great horror content, do not forget to visit hauntedmtl.com.